it's 2NURFM. Hello, we are chatting about pets today. 49216216 is our number. If you've got a question, a concern about your pet, now's the time to uh, get on the phone and give us a call. We'd love to help you out with those questions. Now, David, what are you going to look at a little bit later on today? So in the midst of all our concerns, um, I thought we should remind people about some of those maintenance things for our pets. And in particular, uh, look, in my clinical work, I'm still seeing dogs with tick poisoning. Ah, okay. And look, I guess at the moment, a a lot of people have different stresses. It probably is a good reminder because they're the sort of things that that can get overlooked. Well, that's why I want to talk about it from a preventative aspect because um, far better to do that and not have the problem than to end up at the emergency centre and or wherever with your sick pet. Okay, good one. And next we're going to talk about hermit crabs as pets. My little girl Molly wants a rabbit and I just know they're a lot of work, so maybe I can yeah, find out a so. bit about the hermit crabs and go that, that path instead. They're kind of just like a rock, aren't they? They are not. They're oh. cute. They pop their heads out from time to time, don't a they? A rock that moves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, that's all to come on Pet Chat, 2 and URFM. Now, Cheryl, we're looking at hermit crabs as a pet and a lot of parents go, yeah, look, I want to get something for the kids, but I don't want a lot of work. We're already busy enough. This could be a good option. Yeah, you know, Sarah, it's not just for children who um, you know, are wanting a pet. Often people who are busy, they've got hectic lives, don't want to be brushing or you know, cleaning out the litter tray and you know, taking a dog for a walk. So they, they want something for company. And look, hermit crabs make great little pets. They're pretty inexpensive to buy, so you know, it's, it's an option that you don't have to spend a lot of money on either. They need a nice enclosure, though, so something like a, a large fish tank or that you can get special hermit crab um, tanks as well, but a fish tank in a, in a, is a great way to um, make sure that you can contain them. Although containing them is something you don't always have to do. You can take them for little adventures. You can take them outside. And David's laughing now. He's going hermit crab outside. Because you have some. You've been telling us about the fun you have at the shop. Yeah, we have two hermit crabs. And um, it's really quite an interesting uh, thing because the girls like to give them something for lunch. And they eat varied things, everything from (laughs) fruit and vegetables through to peanut butter sandwiches. They love popcorn. They wrap their little body around the popcorn and, you know, guard it and eat it. Um, but they're very, very easy to care for. So one of the things, they're not a true crab. So most crabs have, normal, true crabs, have um, four legs, including their claws. So eight altogether. So with the little hermit crab, he's got um, just six. So he doesn't have the same thing. He's also got a soft body, so he needs protection. Mm. So you need to give them shells. Now, the shell, just because you like a particular shell, doesn't mean that the hermit crab's going to like it. So they need uh, an option in there. Don't, don't they come with their own shell? They do when you purchase them, but they shed those. They they oh, change shells. They grow. They grow, and as they grow, oh. we need to give them a new shell. Now, Depends how much popcorn you give them. Absolutely, mm. how much they eat. And some some sandwiches. are a little greedier than others, but look, <laughs> they make great pets. So you get a you get your crab when you purchase your crab. It comes with its own shell. Now it will, when it's happy, it will shed that. It will go underneath the sand that it's in its enclosure, and it will stay there for about two weeks. And during that time, oh. you mustn't disturb it, and it so will. It's not dead if you see it under this. No, the only time you know they're dead is that awful stench that you... Oh, dear. So we don't want to go there, Sarah. It oh. doesn't happen very often. If you're looking after your husbandry properly, your crab will live quite a long life. Okay. But one of the things that you need to do is when you um, have your, your crab 
um, make sure that you've got uh, ample other shells because when it's changing it needs to have a shell that it can pick. Now the shell you like may not be the one it wants so it likes to go and try them on you know oh. it'll sort of snuggle backwards into it and see whether it fits it might go back to its original shell and just check it out. The other thing be careful a lot of people like to paint them and decorate their shells. Now if you use um, toxic paint we can actually kill that little thing when it's changing its shell so make sure you know glue some little glitter beads on the shell or something quite nice but you you know be careful of toxic paint they um they really are interesting the way they coil their bodies inside the shells but they they have um their little claw one claw they actually feed themselves with and the other ones use for defense or for climbing they love climbing so in our tank we have um, a little tree that they like to climb up and we also have a coconut they love going in there and in their coconut and just hanging out in this there. is fascinating a little coconut shell yeah yeah oh. so a shell just where the the edge has been cut off like and they husk. climb yeah oh. yeah it's not the actual shell itself okay. not the husk yeah, yeah. Yeah, and okay. um, you need sand. So they love to bury. So burying in sand is pretty important for them. Um, giving them things like cuttlefish as well is a nice thing for them. They love to sort of cling onto the cuttlefish and chew out the calcium. And I've never seen David pay so much I'm attention. He is just, just hanging on to every rat. word. Okay, but you know what's interesting, David? You're going to love this. There's more. There is. Wait, there's more. Okay. Do you know that they can actually, if they shed one of their limbs during a fight or something else, they can grow that back. So if they shed their claw when they're fighting, that can grow back. So it regenerates just like the um, well, axolotl. Mm, that's um, cool. Well, hopefully no fighting. Now, Cheryl, we did talk about this off air. They've got to have water. Yes. And this could have been a deal breaker for Sarah because she wasn't sure she could manage... <laughs> You've got to have two types of water. Is this right? <laughs> That's right. So they need salt water and fresh water. Oh, it's, it's getting into it's a getting, bit of a too hard It's getting basket. complicated. Okay, yeah. so they, they, yes. they really do like to. And they'll often have a bath. So you'll see them go and bath and have a little, you know, sort of a, a splash around. Oh. And then they'll drink out of the other. So, yeah, using both. And they need to have moisture, the right amount of moisture for them to molt. Mm, mm. Because if they don't, their, their ecosystem, their, their skeletal system, I should say, um, needs a certain amount of moisture so they don't dry out, so they can actually mm-hmm. shed that. And when they shed it, they actually eat it. Oh, Look really? at you, David. You're loving this. You're going to get I some, I know he's going to be down at the pet shop before yep. the show's over. But <laughs> So the humidity is important. So we have yes. a lid on ours. Yes. Um, and because they're quite good climbers, they can climb out of your enclosure. So you need to make sure that you, you know, oh. you're, you're very vigilant. Gizmo with... wouldn't handle that. No, <laughs> no Gizzy wouldn't. They like nuts. And even, you know... One way you can get around it, Sarah, is by using a shell, like a clam shell. That will give you enough, you know, sort of water for your little creature where, to go Where in. do you get the shells from, the replacement shells? Do they come with a replacement shell? You can shell go or to the you, beach. You come just on. get them from the beach? You can. You can buy them as well. Do we get oh. our salt water from the beach? <laughs> yeah, but you need to be careful that the salt water, not, not too much. You know, if you're going to get it, just use it that day because otherwise you're going to have bacterium breeding. Oh. In that. So how do we keep the salt? We make You can buy salt. special additives okay. to make your salt water. Oh, for, that's easy. For, oh, this is getting more manageable. Yeah. Mm. How but, many children do you have? But one thing, Sarah, now with hermit crabs, if your children are going to have them, they need to wash their hands after they've been playing with them because they do contain some germs that we don't want to have. So salmonella bacterium is the problem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just soap and water, just the usual things that, you know, mothers teach children. Um, But, you know, they're great little pets and they make a noise as well. 
Okay. Yep. Here we go. Yep, they do. What, they they make this noise? chirping little sound when they're playing and happy. Okay. They're great. They're great fun to watch, seriously. All right. My staff actually say, can I take them home over the weekend? It's that a fun good thing. for kids. Yeah. Just one more question, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're offering X amount of shells, mm-hmm. do you f- for their new home? Mm-hmm. Do I have to like buy three or four different sizes and just plonk them in the in their tank and just wait till okay. they shed? Or what's the what's good the question, way to Sarah? Go? So when we're looking at our crab, we know the size of the shell that is currently in. So we're looking to go up one more stage. So you know, making a comparison, and you know, probably two shells. That's all we've got in our tank, waiting for our guys to okay. to switch. Yep. And you know, if they're quite happy, if their shell's got adequate room, they're not going to shed and move on quickly it's just as they grow so if you've got one that's eating well and it's doing really well he's going to get fat and you know, so the shell the, the spare shells are there all the time yep, yep, okay yep yeah so you just leave it there and they, okay, then yeah. when they decide that oh i'm gonna then they're ready yeah yeah because if oh. they're happy in their shell they're not going yeah, to yeah. change can you overfeed a hermit crab Oh, well, you need to change what you're giving because it's going to go mouldy because of that humidity inside yeah. the tank. Yep. So, you know, feeding them freshly every day and removing that. And they'll just eat what they want. They won't, um, you know, okay. they'll just eat what this they This could be a goer. Yeah. They like nuts as well. So, you know, coconut. Coconut fibre is another, um, you know, thing that you can use in the base of your tank if you're wanting to rather than sand because sand can be hard to clean mm. because they do go to the toilet. So you need yeah. to keep them clean. But fun, okay. fun, fun, fun. Oh, well, thank you, Cheryl. That's a, that's an interesting animal that, you know, we don't often think about. So. Yeah, because we're always doing cats and dogs and rabbits. So, yeah, yeah. little hermit crabs. I like it. Now, David, I did tell uh, Chrissy, who I who I train with, that I would ask a question on her oh, behalf yeah, because sure. she can't call in uh, today. But they've got they've got a puppy, and it's about uh, three months old now, mm-hmm. and it's chewing everything. She said they can't stop it chewing. She's brought lots of different distraction kongs and toys. I said, "Are you chewing?" I tried to be the vet. I said, "Is it chewing when you're at home or when it's on its own?" You know, it could be anxious. <laughs> And then I said, look, I've got no clue. I'll actually ask someone that's qualified. But, yeah, chewing everything and they just can't stop this dog from chewing. And I don't know the breed off the top of my head, so you're probably going to ask that. No, no, it doesn't matter. It's three months old. It's normal. Yeah. It's annoying, but it's normal. It's probably older than three months, actually. Even if it's coming up to six months. So, look, dogs have... uh, And kids do this as well, by the way. It's why kids put everything in their mouth, okay, because... When they're born, the greatest concentration of sense, uh, sense, what's the word? Sensory, sensory. nerves, yes, is in their mouth, yeah, right, yep, and uh, their pathways are most developed, which kind of makes sense from a survival point of view. Is that because you've got to eat, you want to make sure that you are able to process the information coming from those nerves early on in your life. But what happens with dogs is that they're similarly got the greatest amount of sensory nerves located in their mouth and it's the way they explore things people you know i can pick up this pen and have a look at it but a dog how does it pick it up uses its mouth so it's really exploring the environment and getting a sense of everything and you know to some degree dogs also then start to uh have their teeth turn over and their molars are coming through and things like that so it is a very comfortable um, pattern to chew on things. It's also very calming, but I, it's not. It's not really about anxiety at this age. It's just a normal, uh, normal behaviour um, that 
you know, you do want to have them move on to things. So if they're going to chew, let's not chew the furniture, um, your shoes. That was my mistake. Was And everybody at my work's going, yes, he should do what he preaches because my dog, <laughs> you know, these adjustable chairs, my dog used to chew on the handles. Oh, okay. So I've got all these really perfectly looking good chairs that have got like chewed out handles and every time you reach down, there'd be saliva covered. Um, anyway. Now it's a Kelpie, eight so, months old. I've just had confirmation okay. on that. So, yeah, we're getting on now. We're getting on with age. We want to move on with things. So one of the things about Kelpie, and this is where breed does kind of start to play as we're moving into the adolescent stage, very energetic, very intelligent dog. They need lots of stimulation, lots of stimulation. So plenty of walks, ball games um, in restricted areas, obviously. Um, but l- I always say to people with Border Collies and Kelpies, it's like how many sheep do you own? Yeah, yep. Because these are dogs that are working dogs. They have uh, the the need for that stimulation all the time. And so what if they don't get it, they'll use their chewing as self-stimulation. Okay. So, yeah, Kongs will work. And that's why the other thing about Kongs is they've anything that they chew on need to be a little bit rewarding. Okay, so if you're rousing on the dog for chewing on something, that's actually giving it attention which is rewarding. Sure. So what we want to do is give it things that you can say, okay, that's for chewing, that's not. But don't make a big fuss. Just take the item away and give them something else. So when we say about Kongs, what we like to do is pack them with some food, wrap them in glow wrap, put them in the freezer, and then when you get them out, they're getting the food part out of the Kong all day long. Yum. They can just lick it. And, and I know, I think, Cheryl or David, you've mentioned a bit of peanut butter in the Kongs yeah. can be a bit of a treat. Yes, but just make sure that when you use peanut butter, check the ingredients that they don't contain a compound called xylitol, which mm. is a sweetener. Okay. And xyl- X-Y-L-I-T-O-L. You must, 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 must check it because some peanut butters do. Xylitol is toxic to dogs and dangerous. So... Yeah, you can use that. Vegemite, fine. Yeah, um, okay. But yeah, pack it with food, wrap it in glad wrap, put it in the freezer and get it out. Give that to your dog. And then if they do go to chew anything else, you know, take the item away, take the shoe, the chair away and give them something else like a Kong yeah. to chew on. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you. I know I'll pass that feedback on and see how we go with that one. 49216216 is our number. If you've got a question today for Pet Chat, David here to answer your questions. Now, David, we're looking at ticks and preventatives. Well, we're coming to the end of the usual season, um, but, you know, we noticed like this week the weather is still pretty warm. And so I wanted to just come around to this preventative thing because I was having a chat with uh, some veterinarians in different parts of the country and um, one veterinarian is a specialist in emergency and critical care and he's in Queensland and he said they, since the uh, group of preventatives called isoxazalines and there's two that are on the market really, the Brevecto and the NexGuard work little bit differently in terms of duration but since they've come on the market the last few years so their tick patients have dropped by 80 percent eight zero wow which is phenomenal huge 
Yeah, phenomenal. And uh, this vet, uh, Rob, had said it was one of his goals is in 10 years is to get rid of tick poisoning as a dog, uh, tick poisoning of dogs as a disease in Australia, mm-hmm. which I always thought, well, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah. It's a great goal, we're, but... <laughs> we're 80% of the way there. That's so excellent. it's really, really important to maintain preventative uh, treatments all the way through the year for a lot of these conditions. You know, we talk about heartworm, we've got an annual injection. Um, we've got, we always talk about our flea control and that usually goes with tick prevention, regular worming, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if your animal is going into uh, uh, boarding kennels and things like that, um, we need to make sure your vaccinations are up to date because these are the things that will keep them healthy all the way through makes life easier for you. You're not rushing out with problems, emergencies and so on. Okay. All right. Some good stuff. 49216216 is our number. We've got Margaret on the phone now from Saltash. You've got a question about your cat. Yes, my two cats. They both want to scratch the furniture all the time. And is there anything you can put on the furniture or, or how can I stop them from scratching it? Now, Margaret, do you have a scratching pole or something yes, for them? Yes, they've got a scratch. They've got one scratching pole, and then they've got the high rise with the scratching poles and that on it. Right. But I've I've had cats all my life. I'm I like I've always had two or three cats. These two cats I have at the moment are the only two that have ever done this, and I don't know what it is about them. But yeah, I said I've I've never had trouble with my other cats. They, it, it sounds incredibly frustrating because obviously they, they can do some uh, damage to that furniture with their claws mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah. So just a couple of other things. I mean, generally the, with cats and their scratching poles, can uh, it's a normal behaviour, but sometimes they can do that in response to other stressors in their environment. Um, so it's good to separate out whether we're dealing with a normal behaviour that's just annoying or is it actually excessive to the point where, you know, we think there's something else going on. And one of the things, whenever we, two cats living together often triggers these kind of responses. So cats are very interesting around their social groups. Um, Dogs love to live in packs. Cats are a bit iffy about it. And even if the two cats are genetically related that doesn't mean that they're always going to get along so it's really important that we keep enough space for them to separate Um, and also are they inside all the time or are they in and out Uh, inside inside okay how many litter trays do we have in the house two Two. Uh, good idea to get another one always say one per cat plus one just don't have all the litter trays lined up next to each other because the idea is to have a bit of space apart. Um, that could be a little issue. And what I'm trying to do is just to give the cats a degree to which they can actually feel that they can get away from the other one. Even if they look like they get along all the time, there's there's still going to be some underlying uh, Well, one of, one of my cats, the, one's a um, British, British short hair. I've had her since a kitten. Yeah. And the other one I got from the RSPCA um, about 12 months ago, and she was about two years old. But she is like she dribbles and licks continually. Like licks, she wants to 
to sit on your lap and lick your arm, or if you're standing there, she'll lick your leg. And um, and if you if you don't, you know, if you're patting her and tell her to stop licking you, she'll just dribble. Mm. And, uh, have you have you been to the vet? Have you been to the vet with these guys about this problem? No. no. I'm just I'm I mean the the licking and maybe normal a lot of cats will do that because it's a mutual grooming. So that means that they're actually quite happy and cats will do that with each other. It's a, a kind of a way that they keep the peace between everybody. Um, mm. Do the two cats? No, they, do, they don't do it to each other. No. They just, this one cat just does it. Does to it anybody, to anybody? Anybody sitting in the room, she'll get up on their lap and lick their arm or that, or lick your leg if you're standing. She'll yes. just keep licking you, and it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of having a cat. <laughs> yeah, I, I just said I love cats. My, I'm, I'm a cat person, and I've always had two or three cats. Yes. Okay. And they. Get it well, one of them mainly. Her name's Luna, but we call her Lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. She, she jumps up on the cupboards all the time, and I'm forever going mad on her. None of my cats ever did that before either, but this one, she's just she um, tries me out. <laughs> so, I, I, I want to come back just quickly to answer your first question. So, there's a couple of things I would mention. One is just make sure that their health-wise is okay. For instance, dental disease and things like that. An extra litter tray, that's going to help. Um, I would get some fell-away spray. That's going to help as well. It comes in a, two different forms. One you can spray around. One you can plug in as a diffuser. And what that does is it just calms the cats down a little bit. And that would be quite useful. The other thing in terms of like... Really, we're starting to get to the last gasp of trying to treat this problem is you can get these little glue-on covers for their claws called soft paws. They work really, really well. And if you speak to your vet, they'll probably be able to help you out with that. And uh, the other thing I've seen people do is put aluminium foil on their furniture because then when the cat goes to scratch it, it's quite unpleasant and they'll just leave it and move on. But you, that's kind of a last resort. So lots of different things to try. Thanks for your call, Margaret. We've got John now on the phone. You've got a question about your dog, John. I certainly do, mate. Um, I just got uh, a little... I've got a big girl at home. She's as spoiled as they all, they all should be. Anyway, I was just wondering... We're very close to her all the time. This uh, coronavirus, if, well, you never know if you've got it or not, can, can that be passed on from humans to a dog? No. No. Thank God for that. Now, it's a, it's a good question that you've asked, and I've been asked that quite a few times. There's no evidence of transmission between dogs and people or people and dogs. And yep. uh, interesting you ask that because as a veterinarian, people always say, can I get this from a dog? And I say, well, actually, we're more worried about him getting stuff from you. Um, <laughs> but, look, there is a little bit of confusion here because... When we say coronavirus, that's actually referring to a family of viruses. So, you know, there are other coronaviruses around. And in fact, the previous outbreaks of SARS and um, MERS, which was the earlier versions, are all coronaviruses. And so the reason we see problems is because the coronaviruses generally don't hang out in people 
And so our immune system over millennia have not been exposed to them. So when we do get a jump between species, then that's when we see problems. And we've had previous outbreaks of disease like uh, influenza, a different family, um, swine influenza as well, and so on, that we always have to be alert for. Now, there is, however, coronavirus in... There is a species of coronavirus in dogs that causes a um, diarrhoea in puppies uh, called enteric coronavirus. We see, we see it uh, from time to time, and it's usually pretty self-limiting, doesn't cause anything, and there's no relation to this uh, current COVID-19 virus. There's also a coronavirus in cats that uh, causes a disease called feline infectious peritonitis. It's been around for a long time. Again, we don't see any transmission and it's not the same virus. So there is the possibility of this coronavirus that we're experiencing through the human population, COVID-19. Um, there is some evidence that the actual viral particles survive on various surfaces for you know periods of time. Um, I'm not qualified to speak on how long that is, but I believe it can be days. And so there are cases where viral particles could be on the surface of your pet. And there was a case in Hong Kong where a sample was collected from the nose of a dog, and it's a dog that was living with someone who had confirmed coronavirus, and it's thought that the uh, it was a contaminant from the particles around the house. Uh, I was just worried because my big girl, she, she loves the cuddles and loves the kisses and yeah. she's all over us like a rash. I'm a truck driver, so I'm gone for a big part of the day. So, um, <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. Just, just as I get home, she's all over me like a rash. And I'm thinking, you never know if you've got it. And I don't think I've got it. But um, yeah, anyway, I was worried. I was more worried about her kisses than me. Isn't it? God love Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, look, that's the thing. We, we worry about them, don't we? And just to be clear, though, um, COVID-19, we can't transfer it to our pets and vice versa. There's no evidence zoonotic. no evidence at the moment that we've seen that says that. And there have been lots of trials to try and get it to do that, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, so we're so, pretty safe. Yeah. We're pretty safe. 49216216, if you've got a final question for Dr. David Tabret today. We were talking about ticks and tick preventative, David, and um, people should be doing it now, even though the season is over. Pe- yeah. well, well, when I say over, well, you're saying there is no season anymore. But what was traditionally what we thought that's would be, right. a, you know, well, if worst anything, time of year. One of the things that we do see is that when we have hot weather, dry, sorry, dry, hot weather, uh, tick populations die off, okay, because they're soft-bodied tick, they can dehydrate. And so most of our cases are seen in spring, but we do, look, to be honest, I, for the last 20 years I've been working in emergency work, we see tick patients every week of the year on mm-hmm. on this Newcastle region. It's warm enough, it's wet enough most of the time that we're going to see that. Um, but with the preventatives, if you're using them regularly, you should just keep using them all through the year. Okay. And a final question from Jenny, who's emailed in. She wants to know what the ruling is on dogs in cars. Everyone knows that it's, it's a no-go, but she's asked, is it illegal? Are you allowed to do it if you're dropping the kids off of a morning for certain periods of time to What's have that? dogs to l- in the car? Um, to leave them in the car mm. for, for, for a period of time? Yeah. She, uh, she's, well, it's a safety thing, isn't it, for their health? So I, 
Do we know I if it's know. Is it illegal? No. It's not? No. Mm. Okay. It's not an illegal thing to do, but again, you can be prosecuted under the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Yes. if it's deemed that you've um, caused an animal harm. Yes. Or suffering through, you know, keeping it in a car, a locked car or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so there's been cases in, you know, car parks at supermarkets and shopping centres where animals have been in cars and people have broken into the car mm. to rescue them. Um, so I think in general it would be if you're just ducking in to drop the kids off or something, shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Maybe you can take the dog out, take a lead. Yeah. Take him for a little walk. I wouldn't walk. leave a dog in a car unattended. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I've done it just to drop into a shop or something, but for like literally two minutes. I'm too scared to do it. And it's not because I'm worried about the dog. It's worried no. that I'll get back and there'll be people with, you know, You're worried. Picks. You know why? You're worried because people will recognise you and say, <laughs> I don't know about Sarah Farley. I, I the recogni- dog torturer. I recognise her voice. <laughs> I'm topping you, you in. You just, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is where you're glad you work in radio. Mm. Um, yeah, look, I, I'd like to see the dog not left in the car. Yeah. I recognise that happens. It's not illegal unless you're actually breaching the Prevention of Cruelty Act. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good clarification because I know some people just don't know what the actual rules are because there are times it might be seven in the morning in winter and you're running in to grab something and you don't know if you've got the dog I'll go oh I can't I have to take him home but you wonder whether you can or not yeah hmm interesting common sense yeah like washing your hand after playing with hammer crabs yes <laughs> common sense it is it all boils down to common sense doesn't it it's not so not so common <laughs> it appears that way <laughs> I'm I'm getting older so I figure I can say some of these things. Oh, you're playing that card. Well, the Nen and Pop card. I didn't invent it, that's for sure. So. <laughs> look, that's just about uh, time today for Pet Chat, which could be a good thing because who knows what we're going to pop out. <laughs> Cheryl Shaw, thank you for coming in. My Lovely pleasure. as always. David, thank you for your advice thank to you. all of our listeners. No worries. Always wonderful. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.